Hello, this is Chris. This is Colleen. And we want to welcome you to our episode here of Live Fix Radio. Very excited to have you guys join us. We have a, uh, a full, packed, exciting show. Every show's exciting, right? I, it's got to be, right? This I one's mean, better than the last. Every show gets better. That's our goal. That's our commitment to you as our, as our listeners. We want to make every show a little bit better. And I am very certain that uh, we have achieved that in this show. No doubts. So the music you heard coming in uh, to the show was none other than Chicago native, rapper, singer, songwriter, Christine Flattery, a.k.a. K-Flay. K-Flay. So mm-hmm. we had a chance to see K-Flay, kind of discovered her actually, in uh, at uh, South by Southwest back in March. So this is a... Yeah, type... a place called Buffalo Billiards. Buffalo Billiards, yeah. Great place. Um, if you get a chance to go out to Austin. Austin, Texas. I, I, I still have dreams. Uh, wonderful dreams of uh, South by Southwest. Uh, you know, I, I know. Do I talk in my sleep at all about South by Southwest? You know, I I'm so out at night. I I'm so you know in my la la dreamland that yeah. I usually don't get up. But I would say no. Yeah, I don't know. Anyways, I you know it's we had a chance to see K Flay there, and uh, it's South by Southwest and. Uh, we've been following her, you know, ever since. Well, and it was not, a little yeah, different this yeah. time. It was a little different. It was. It was. And yeah, when, yeah. This one uh, was different, and you know, this is a one of those rare opportunities because you know we do follow artists, you know, not literally follow them, but you know, we, you know we're not stalking artists or anything like that. But uh, we follow their music. You know, we once we see them live or stumble upon them, like we did with K Flay, you know, we, uh, we we get interested, we get excited, you know, and uh, K Flay has has revolved and, and progressed to a point where we're we're excited, you know, to see her continue to grow. And she's from Chicago. She moved out to, uh, you know, the um, West Coast, uh, Southern, or uh, kind of uh, Bay Area. Uh, she uh, graduated from Stanford, and uh, we had a chance to sit down and talk with her on uh, Black Friday. So uh, before her show at uh, Subtease. So it was uh, pretty, pretty great to uh, kind of talk to her a little bit and, you know, kind of catch up with her. So we have that for you guys. Uh, we also talked to some fans. We'll host some, uh, some fan feedback just after the show. So we had, a, we had a chance to talk with some very, very excited fans. And we're going to share that with you a little bit later in the show, uh, responding to you know, the, uh, the inspirational side of K-Flay seeing, him li- seeing her live. So she really touched some fans, and we're going we're gonna to share with you a little brief interview with, uh, with some fans. Um, but this, this show is pretty packed. I mean, we're going we're gonna to move along pretty quick because we've got a lot to, lot to cover. Uh, first thing we want to do is uh, do a little housekeeping. We have um, recently, well, we've been, we've been covering the elements of uh, haunted music venues uh, on previous podcasts. You know, Halloween was a couple months ago. And uh, the fact of the matter is, here in Chicago, we there have... are a lot of haunted <laughs> venues out yeah, we, here. Yeah, There's we, actually a lot of haunted history in Chicago. Yeah, yeah. So our haunted history uh, naturally progresses into music, you know, the live music experience. So there are some haunted music venues, uh, the Vic Theater, uh, Congress Theater, even the Metro, the historic, you know, uh, independent music venue, Metro. But uh, this past and week... maybe Sub T's, Subterranean, maybe. We don't know. I, sure I've never. That. Have you ever had a paranormal experience at sub at Subtees? I have not. No. Okay. But there's you could tell when you walk in there's history there. Yeah. And so we'll cover that later in the show. Absolutely. Yeah. You you have uh, you've been furiously and very diligently doing some great research on uh, Subtee and the uh, uh, the whole historic 
part of that. And one of the cool things that we're going to get into is that uh, this whole K-Flay wasn't just the show. Because here on Live Fix, you know, we're, we're constantly, you know, showing that the, um, the live music experience is not just that one, you know, half hour or hour or whatever. You know, it's a whole entire story. There's a beginning, a middle, you know, and a, an end or, a, you know, an epilogue. It, it, it's all wrapped around that, that moment. And this this particular show, we're gonna we're gonna kind of get into that on how we found you know we went to the show, we did the interview with K Flay, and during the show, you know, I was checking in uh, you know on uh, my mobile phone uh, using Foursquare, and I saw some some notes that uh, somebody who had previously checked in on Foursquare. And we'll tell you guys what if you don't know what Foursquare is, we'll we'll cover that in a little bit. But we're gonna tell the whole story here with um, so it's kind of like the whole show. Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Kinda. What, what do you What do you mean? What do you mean? We did not talk about that well, before the show. You're I, just, I know that, but I, it's kind of like now. the you're, idea. You're throwing, you're throwing me off here. I'm trying to figure out the whole concept. See, he called in to school. Oh, the story right? concept. Yeah. And, oh, I yeah. Mean, okay. it, he didn't really know where the day was going to take him. All right. But he allowed the day to happen. Okay. And that's sort of the, the idea when you go to a show. You sort of allow uh, the night to happen. Okay. And unfolds and unravels, and it can be a great time. It could be a horrible time. Right. right. But sometimes shows or live music, um, and especially in Chicago, you can a lot can happen. A lot can happen. I mean, yeah, you never know. You know? Look at the when we went to. Oh, we've had a lot of live music experiences, but look when we went to go see Smashing Pumpkins. Yeah. You know, we go there, we're excited, we're going to cover it. You're expecting and, a show. And we walk you know, up to the door, show, and what happened? Yeah, it was canceled. It was canceled. And there was a sign on the door that yeah. said, sorry, but you can get a refund, or you are going to sh- you can show up to a, another scheduled date, and that was it. And we just sat there and just watched the fans come up and read the, the sign. That was, read t- the that, sign. Was, that was tough to watch and that. It was, hard, but hard it turned into a really good night. Yeah. So, you know, you always, this kind of stuff can be good or bad, but it, it, it's, I guess what you intended it to be when you first go doesn't always end up being that way. Right. And that's what's cool about concert experiences. That's what's cool about a festival experiences. Right. We've had some of our own festival experiences where, you know, we, we're, we're going to this festival and um, one night when we were going to Rothbury last year, what happened? We we're going to the festival and yeah. we get there and... They we won't got, let us in. Oh, they won't let us in. Oh, yeah. First yeah. night we were there. Yeah, I so we got trampled by the police that, that time. Well, that was later. That's another story. Right. But we get there and they say... That sucked. That's it. We can't let you in. And we're like, well, we're supposed to be camping. Well, we don't care. You can't come in. Right. So then we ended up having to drive, like, what, a half hour out of the way yep. to find a hotel. So, yeah. and we eventually found one, but it, it was tough. So... These things can happen at live shows. And that was that even you don't before, expect. yeah, before we got there. So it's it, there's a there's a pre-story, you know, there's a pre-concert, there's the concert, then there's the post-concert. And it's a big story, you know, and that's one of the things that, you know, I have these uh, conversations with fans, you know, I kind of talk to them about that and they're like, "Oh yeah, for sure," you know. So that's what this show is. You know, we had you know, one thing happened, we had the interview planned with Kay, you know, Kay Flay, and we're like, okay, we know that, you know, is going to happen. Sometimes the interviews before the show, they, they don't happen. You know, sometimes you got to really kind of bend and flex. So this whole show is going to be basically taking guys through that uh, that night. So, But um, some of the housekeeping stuff, we were talking about haunted venues at Chica- you know, in Chicago, and we actually had uh, one fan uh, 
leave a comment. Uh, we have a we have a blog post, and we'll we'll leave this in the in the show notes for you guys. But uh, we had a comment. Somebody had a paranormal what they what they believe is a paranormal experience. Uh, I believe it was Friday night. Yeah, because I, I we were out with friends, you know, and I, I looked down at my phone. I got a you know a notification that someone left a comment on the blog. I'm like, wow, what's going on here? And I look at it, and I'm reading through this, and my jaw is like dropping. I'm like, wow, you know, I can't believe that someone is is writing this. That they uh, basically had an experience of some somebody uh, was blowing on their ear. And during the show. During the show. And, in you know, as I'm reading, I'm like, okay, you know, you, you, you go through the normal, you know, questions. You go, okay, was there drugs? Was there drinking? Was this, is this, you know, are there other mental, you know, situations that... Was the back door open? Right. I mean... Were they standing next to an air conditioner? You know? These, these basic things that you have to ask as you're reading these things because, you know, paranormal things, even though they do happen, they're kind of hard to believe sometimes because the mind plays tricks on you. But uh, nonetheless, this this comment, uh, you know, they, as they explained it, they kind of, you know, they checked off all the things that I was thinking of, uh, you know, and uh, one of the posts in, in the post that we have about the paranormal uh, music venues is that, uh, you know, the Vic is, is in fact haunted. You know, there's, um, I believe it's a woman who um, goes around, uh, has been seen up in the balcony and also on the stage. And you know has been known to do things to people during like during the show, and uh, you know if, kind of, this goes all the way back to the vaudeville days. There was some things that happened, and somebody died there, and you know so very very interesting. So if you guys are you know listen to this and you you've had a you know a paranormal experience or something like that at a show, we'd love to hear about it. And go ahead, drop it on the you know, drop a drop a comment, and uh, you know or hit us up on you know Twitter at uh, at uh, LiveFix Media and let us know. So, and we've had some famous paranormal investigators yes. interviewed yep. um, for Live Fix. So we may, what we're, we're thinking about doing is doing a podcast, you know, have some of these stories on there and asking some of the, the investigators these, these kind of questions. Yeah. We have to have Ursula on the, on the show and, and walk her through this and tell her about this fan who had her, somebody's blowing in their ear, you know, and, and, you know, it's very interesting. You guys got to read this comment because it's, uh, it's pretty, pretty provocative in, in, in a way. It makes you go, hmm, you know, because it's very interesting. So It'll make you think twice before you go to the Vic again. Yeah. yeah. Not that it's a bad place, great place, but you may, you know, experience something like that. Well, every, every music venue has a history. I mean that's basically what this comes down to. So uh, the second housekeeping note we have is uh, we we have a, a poll. On, uh, if you go to livefixblog.com in the right hand column, we have a poll that we've been running pretty much the whole year, and uh, asked the question: How many shows did you go to in 2010? So all of all of last year. So I decided to kind of throw that question out there. And uh, there's different. Um, you know, did you go to one show? Did you go to two shows? Did you go to five to ten? You know, in different uh, different ranges. And then I have. You know, did you go to 20 or more shows? And as of today, so it's December, uh, what is today, December 4th or something like that. So we got about three weeks left in the year. So we really want to get you guys to uh, you know, help us uh, flesh that out because we're going to have a 2011 version of, of the same thing and kind of compare some stats. You know, we're going to kind of analyze how many shows are, you know, do concert fans usually go to during the year? Is that, is that changing? The way it... Um, you know, the way it uh, flushes out right now is that we have kind of a tie, almost a tie, you know, a, a dead even tie between um, people, 19 or uh, 20 people have clicked 
um, that they have responded that they've gone to between five and six shows, you know, kind of in in there. And then um, 19 people have said that they've gone to 20 or more shows. So, and then the other ones, you know, have one or two shows, really low. So if you're a concert fan, you're really, you know, you're either going to a lot of them or you're, or you're not, you know, basically with that. So kind of interesting. Go on the blog and, uh, you know, click, uh, send us your responses uh, for that. We'd love to, uh, love to hear that. So that's all for the housekeeping. Uh, now it's, uh, now it's time for our music, music news, you know, live music news. We got a huge, uh, huge list of great, great stuff that's going on. A lot of, about a lot of archives and all kinds of stuff. So the first one we have is uh, involving Fugazi. So I don't know if you guys have heard this news. Um, uh, Fugazi, uh, you know, the uh, post-punk band uh, from D.C., you know, li- uh, led by uh, Ian uh, Mackay, from, uh, formerly from Minor Threat, uh, they recorded over 800 shows during the band's, you know, touring, you know, uh, touring time. And just recently, they have uh, released their first batch of live archive shows. So they got a, and that batch has 130 shows. Uh, unfortunately for us in Chicago, when I when I heard about this, I, I went on the site, and uh, there's no Chicago shows available yet. So kind of kind of sucks, but nonetheless, it's it's pretty sweet. There's uh, some good interviews that. Uh, uh, Makai has been doing with uh, different publications, kind of telling the story behind that. So, uh, if you're a Fugazi fan, you definitely want to go and, and check that out. And again, we'll have links to all this all this stuff on the blog. Um, so, uh, you know, Colleen, I know that you're well. You love Fugazi, right? Yeah, I'm a huge Fugazi fan. Yeah. What's interesting about Fugazi is that uh, I, know, I can't believe I almost forgot this. Is that they have probably one of the most unique. You know, kind of relationships with their with their fans during their show. They're they're notorious for making sure that people are safe during mosh pits. They've actually stopped shows, uh, and there's a we'll have a link to this uh, archive of um, stage banter. That's it's 45 minutes of stage banter that was recorded by by a fan. We'll have a link to that so you guys can check this out. But uh, Fugazi is is you know. So when Famous. you're saying stage banter, like we define that a little bit. I mean, is it just you know the the, the lead singer yelling at the the fans, yeah, or is it the a, fans yelling back? Is it well, it's a it's a mix. You know, there's kind of a love hate thing that goes on. Sometimes Fugazi is yelling at their fans because some of their fans, you know, they come there, they want to be aggressive. You know, they want to kind of let their aggression out and all these types of things. And some fans just want to enjoy the music and they want to have, you know, just not you know they don't want to mosh they just want to take in the music you know in a safe environment where it's enjoyable not dangerous or you know scared for their life or whatever so fugazi you know sometimes they'll call their um call their fans out right you know right there in front of the stage is you know there's uh, recordings of fans saying hey you know uh keep playing you know who who, who cares if you know we're moshing or, or whatever. We want to hear this, and why aren't you guys playing? Why did you stop the show? Now, is this you know? free? This guy released it free? It is, yeah. Oh, wow. It's a, yeah, it's okay. a free download. So it's kind of a, comp- a compilation, this fan that recorded. Well, this is different. There's the live archives. That's different than this 45-minute uh, thing. It was actually from 2009, mm-hmm. and it kind of resurfaced. You know, people were talking about it again. 
with this live archive thing. So pretty pretty sweet because you know Fugazi is is known for their live show. They never charged you know above single digits for the concert tickets. And um, I unfortunately I never had a chance to see them live. I just never quite uh, worked out. But um, some of my favorite songs, you know, the waiting room and uh, the whole album, uh, thirteen songs by um, by Fugazi is one of my favorite, you know, all-time favorite albums. You know, just if I could go back and see a band uh, again that I never have a chance to, that uh, Fugazi would be definitely, uh, you know, on uh, on my list. So good, uh, good stuff. So what else we got here? Uh, uh, Poi Dog Pondering, another uh, another Chicago band. Just actually just found out about this uh, today before we were uh, getting ready to record the show. Is that um, uh, Kickstarter.com? I don't know if you're are you familiar with Kickstarter, Colleen? You know what that is? No, what is that? It's a it's a it's a program. It's a website where uh, if a you know if somebody wants to do uh, a project where they want to get you know a startup off the ground or something like that, there's a Kickstarter.com allows you to post that and basically raise funding. Ah, so you can, okay. You there's can, a couple websites out there that are like that where you can raise funds for a cause right. or if you want to push something or if you want to um, get people together to. To rally over something, yeah. I mean, that's so. What are what is the band doing as far as? Yeah, well, they've uh, uh, these last couple days, the band has actually recorded uh, two shows, uh, footage and everything from uh, a show at the Metro. And what they want to do is record a live DVD and also a live double album. So, again, if you're not familiar with Poor Dog Pondering, they're a Chicago band. Uh, they kind of started in Hawaii, then went to um, Austin, Texas, and. Uh, Frank Oral, uh, we actually interviewed him uh, a couple months, uh, a few months ago or earlier in the year, and uh, just a fantastic interview. Uh, he said some some really cool things about his approach to songwriting and how live music uh, puts you know puts it in a different perspective. And basically, what he said is that you know when you're recording a song, it's like it's like a child, and meaning that you know you you write a song, that's the birth. And then the concert experience is that child growing up, so you you know you kind of let it you know goes through you know uh, you know adolescence and then it goes you know he he gave a, some really interesting way of explaining a song and you know, and, and letting it grow. And that's, so they're that's wanting how he fans that. to raise money to put together a live DVD. Yeah, yeah. So they're allowing the fans to contribute money to the uh, to the recording, and they're allowing mm-hmm. them. You know, they want to do that because they want to put it in the fans' hand because they they have a really strong following. Uh, we, we've actually interviewed um, uh, Carolyn Travis. She worked PR with with the company and or with the company uh, with the band uh, for some time, and uh, uh, known as uh, Shaka Shaka T. And she's also a DJ, and that's her DJ name. And uh, she, uh, you know, she was posting about it uh, earlier today, and it's uh, you know something where they're allowing them to, you know, the fans to kind of come together, and you know, help the band, you know, produce this so the fans have a, you know, have a hand in it and can put their money to it. You know, kind of a cool thing. I don't know why more. I think more bands should be doing something like that. So it's well, I wonder how much something like you know? that costs. You know, I That's mean, it costs too. like. You know, five hundred dollars to to make one to make the cut together. Does it cost five hundred dollars an hour? Yeah. It would be interesting to know more the prices on that. So, if there's a fan out there that that knows what it takes to put de- put together a live DVD, uh, we'd like to hear it. Post post them on the blog. Yeah, we kind of talked about that a little bit the last show was uh, the live album show. Wondering how much I would think a live album would be cheaper, 
to record because, uh, you know, the studio. Maybe the DVD studio. is a little, because there's more editing maybe involved. Yeah. Maybe I would think that costs a little something. bit more. Yeah. I don't know. We, I, yeah. If you're listening to this and you, you, you have an idea of what that is, let us know. Uh, it would be great to, you know, hear, hear some per, uh, you know, uh, perspective uh, on that. So, uh, moving along, uh, we have some interesting news. I got some updates uh, from the Chemical Brothers. So this uh, press release came in about a new DV, you know, a new uh, concert film from the Chemical Brothers. So we we saw the Chemical Brothers uh, about two years ago, I think, and they have um, worked with uh, you know a director to actually have. Um, you know, the, their uh, their concert that was filmed in what they call the you know the uh, Glastonbury of Japan, the uh, Fuji Rock uh, Festival. So we were uh, you know we were just kind of reading the description of this movie, and I'm not going to read the whole thing, but it's uh, I have to say it's one of the most interesting press releases that I've read that makes me want to go wow because you know I read some just some pretty boring press releases that come by and go, ah, oh, blah, blah, blah. Well, they blah, put blah, on blah. a good show. You know? Yeah. I mean, these they guys... put a lot into yeah. their show. It's not just play a couple songs no, on stage. They're... I mean, it's a whole production. It's it's a visual spectacle that, uh, you know, if you haven't had the chance to see Chemical Brothers and, you know, and, um, you know, drugs or no drugs. I mean, these guys, you know, it's, you know, I know a lot of fans, they go to shows and, they, you know, they take drugs. You know, hallucinogenic drugs. We're not going to deny that that's part of you know, going to see the Chemical Brothers is you know fans do do that, and um, but all that all that aside, you know I I think that uh, this is this looks like quite a film. It's saying you know that's uh, immersive, um, you know, and they're incorporating fan experiences uh, like never before. So it's kind of interesting to see uh, what this will be like. And there's actually an advanced screening that's going to happen in 20 cities uh across the country in the in the united states so starting january 26 so we'll have a link to uh, to this information on the blog uh in the on the show notes so definitely want to we'll keep your eye keep our eyes out for that and see uh see how that turns out so and the next thing that's like the most important part of <laughs> music news yeah is that um dead.net um, which is one of the main um, official Grateful Dead yep. uh, websites, has released um, a live track each day in November. So now we're in December. They have all of those live tracks up on dead.net. Wow. Which is very, yeah, very cool. And it has, um, it's like one what a, what live a, What clip. a Christmas present. I mean... Sure, you can put it all. Maybe put it wow. all on a CD and give it to someone. I don't know. I mean, wow. that's kind of cheap, but you know, if if you've got um, any friends out there that are deadheads or um, fans of the Grateful Dead, I mean, this is this is a once in a lifetime offer of, of free music, and it's all cut it, you know, cut and edited um, wonderfully, mastered wonderfully. So um, they're not just out of someone's personal stash. Of live so they, tracks. So these been, have these been sanctioned by the band? Yeah, anything that... on that website, you know, the, the band has um, openly given. Hmm. So, um, and if you go on that website, I mean, they have all kinds of, they always are coming out with live music. Yeah, it's amazing. Uh, the Grateful Dead fans continue to amaze me. It's just that whole, the whole culture. I mean, it's really changed. Uh, with, without the Grateful Dead fans and that community, live music would not be what it is today. It's safe to say, right? 
I think, yeah, I think, and I think also the Grateful Dead used what was going on in culture around them to, um, to push fans to do things differently in mm-hmm. their lives and, in the culture. I, re- I really do. And a lot of bands in that era did that too, but I mean, they were giving out free concerts. They were doing things that were unheard of then in, in the generation before them. And, um, and you know, they, they still to this day, I think give bands ideas and, and give them, um, concepts that that could change the way that they they give you know they produce live music so i mean it's they're they're huge and i would continue to check out that website they may do the offer again but at this point it's it's free so you can go back and get the whole um every day in november that they had it was like 30 days wow so yeah that's awesome check it out definitely so our uh yeah great uh great stuff so uh, our our next news music piece here is that uh you know a couple weeks ago google music uh, was unveiled. They moved out of beta, and um, you know they have uh, a huge catalog of uh, music available. You know, there's some free tracks, and one of the tracks that they're promoting uh, this music new music service with is uh, Pearl Jam uh, on uh, September 11th and uh, in Toronto. So kind of interesting. You know, we've covered the whole CD is free, or is it just a few tracks? The full CD. Full CD. Yeah, wow. there's some there's some promotions going along. You uh, some of the ad units. Uh, you'll see, you know, in some music blogs and things like that, uh, you know, you'll see uh, Pearl Jam live uh, in Toronto, and that's uh, they're using that show um, free download when you sign up for for Google Music. So, um, you know, we've talked a lot about here on, on the show about the innovative things that Google's doing. You know, they're trying to compete uh, with you know the social networks uh, like you know Facebook and Twitter, and well, not really compete with Twitter, but. But you know they uh, they have a whole host of all these different services. Google Google Music was just released, so now they're you know they're using live music to kind of get that up off the ground and you know, get people talking about it. So, and uh, they've also offered a free Rolling Stones uh, download from a previously un, you know unavailable track, and we'll have links to uh, to that on the blog too at uh, livefixblog.com for this uh, for these show notes. So. Lots of great stuff happening. I mean, uh, it's, it's that time of year. You know, everybody's, you know, uh, you know, ever since Black Friday, you know, uh, a lot of promotion, a lot of deals going on. So we're trying to wrap these up and give them to you guys as little presents, you know, from Well, here from, in uh, the Windy news, City, you know? we, we want to escape the winter um, by going to live shows. There's nothing like hiding out in a venue on a Friday or Saturday night and warming up and, and escaping the the horrible snow and the, the blizzards that we get out here. So um, so I'm excited about all the live music opportunities that are coming uh, this this winter. I'm yeah. excited. Yeah, so our, our final news piece here uh, for you know, before we get into uh, the sub-tees and all kind of stuff is uh, re- uh, re- revolving around Google+. We've been following that a little bit for you. You know, you guys telling you how, uh, how Google+, is, you know, the... Black Eyed Peas are using it. We, you know, we participated in some of these Google Plus Hangouts. Lots of fun, you know, to kind of interact with other musicians, other fans in a really intimate, small uh, setting. So, uh, one of the things that's been uh, fun to follow is the, uh, you know, the development of uh, Daria. I am totally. And development. Here. When you say uh, Daria, development of Daria, you're talking about. Oh, here she is. Yeah. She basically Daria Musk started. Daria Musk started yeah. doing live shows via like a webcam. 
Yeah. Basically. Yeah, I mean, just using, for people who are trying to figure this all out. Yeah, so Google, Google+, Plus, there's a function on here called uh, Hangouts. And when I first heard about them, I was like, wow, this is, this is something cool. Because you know, it's, it's different than Skype, and it's different than, uh, you know... FaceTime. Other, uh, FaceTime or um, uh, video chat with uh, Facebook. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's a different environment. You can do... Right now, they uh, maxed out at, like, nine people. So you can only have, like, nine people, other people in a hangout. So, But you could potentially have any kind of group gathering yeah, from all over the place, all in one place, right. a and meeting. The, right. And from a musician standpoint, you know, it seems to be something that, uh, you know, I've been trying to look, look, look around and see what I could find. But from a musician standpoint, it looks like Google has a special switch that they're flipping on and off for musicians to allow bigger groups of people to kind of funnel in and funnel out. You know, they're going beyond that nine limit Uh group of people so uh daria musk she's a uh, female singer songwriter and uh she's doing some interesting things you know with it uh meaning that she actually played a uh, seven and a half hour google plus hangout concert so uh one of the one of the just by herself because i mean that's that's well she's got a a lot of it she records you know uh you know in her house uh, you know, or in the studio, you know, sometimes she'll flip it open and she'll be playing in her bedroom. So what's interesting too is that, you know, when you listen to an album and it's quiet and very simple and, you know, uh, a lot of people will say, oh, that's a bedroom, it's a bedroom album. You know, they say, oh, you know, it's very quiet and intimate. And when you're doing a Google Plus Hangout like this, that's actually what you're, what you're getting. So, uh, and again, when I saw this for the first time, I was like, wow, this is a great opportunity for artists to uh, you know, connect with fans and really make something unique that you can't get anywhere else uh, when it comes to you know, just building buzz or using you know, very simple ways to connect with fans after the show. Can you imagine if the Beatles the had access to this? I mean, how much more influence? I mean, they already had a lot of influence, right. but how much more influence they could have on their fans? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. That's a good point. I mean, yeah, I don't know. I mean, very infamous, you know, bands that were around that changed history and things like that. I mean, they changed history because of word of mouth, right? And the news. Yeah. And, I mean, they didn't have this kind of stuff. So it's amazing how, you know, people like Bob Dylan or John Lennon, Yoko Ono, um, you know, uh, Kurt Cobain... You know these people who would have, because of their voices, were so strong when you they did do it. Cobain would have used Google Hangout. I Bob think Dylan so. It's very DIY. Hmm. You know, I do. I do believe that those type of people would would definitely have have used this, and so it's very exciting to see up and coming artists become. She literally became a known artist because of this. Over, yeah. I mean, not maybe not overnight, but. Because of this Google Hangout, I mean, she. There's no other way that you would really know to search her or know about her. Yeah, she, she didn't is, really play uh, in a lot of clubs, my understanding. Yeah, well, she's kind of the, uh, you know, for lack of a better term, poster child for, poster person for the Google Plus. You know, she's kind of used this service. It's a free service. You don't have to pay for it at all. You know, to, uh, to kind of make her mark. And I was just looking at some of the stats here that, uh, you know, about this seven and a half hour concert. Yeah, it was streamed live, and over 9,000 people saw it, and over 100 countries watched it. And what she's done is take that, um, you know, she's take those concerts, she's recording them, and posting them on YouTube, 
and using them as you know free advertisement, free marketing with that. So Google likes that because it's showing off their service, and you know their fans are getting a chance to interact with them. So everyone wins in yeah. this case, the win-win situation. Yeah. So it's uh, you know, and, and I think you know bands need to really look at this, and promoters need to really look at this a little bit more. You know, we've always talked about making, you know, and uh, promoting really intimate fan experiences that are that are unique you know and and you might be limited to do that at a venue but if you got something like this you got technology like google plus hangouts there's a lot of possibility to give something unique to fans that you can't give them anywhere else you know and and there's there's something there i think you know bands really need to look at that and see how that uh how they can evolve that so we'll see we'll keep you guys updated this whole story google plus hangouts continues to evolve and you know there's uh some exciting possibilities with that. So that's all for the music news. Uh, we have some uh, just fantastic history stuff. Colin, you, you, I mean, you're the history buff here on Live Fix. I, you know, I, I'm in awe of your uh, your your ability to pull up lesser known facts about music venues, and and you're you're gonna rock this thing. I can't wait. It's gonna be great. It's gonna be great. We're gonna learn a lot together, and. Um... You know, I, I this next piece. Make sure you listen to it. Um, take it in. It's 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 interesting. It really explains. It, it puts you right there after the show with these uh, two fans. So we will be right back. Have you seen K Flay before? No, it was my first time. Epic night. It was like, oh my god. I don't even know. <laughs> I had fun. I had a lot of fun. My BFF. She brought me here. And, and what was your name? Violet. What, what was your, your favorite part about the show? What you know? What are you gonna remember tomorrow morning when you wake up? Everything. <laughs> her shoes. I always like her shoes. I take pictures of her shoes. This is the second time I see her. Um, I think she's like super talented. You know, um, she's representing for all the girls trying to do hip hop, and she does it well. So I'm gonna keep supporting her from here on out. Love K Play. Woo! So you're gonna you're gonna buy some red shoes tomorrow then, probably. Yeah, some I red Nikes? I wanna match size five. <laughs> well, what, what, and uh, what about you? Uh, Carla? I think I'm gonna go get some red dunks too tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. She's, I am she's a, she's a musical and a fashion inspiration. Yes. <laughs> Carla and Violets, uh, it was it was great to talk to them after the show. You know, everybody around me was uh, was just locked in to uh to Kayflay and she actually had a she had a live drummer. Uh, if you guys could tell some of the stuff we've been playing so far. Uh she didn't have that in uh in, you know at South by Southwest and that's what she kinda tells us about that uh, in the inter- interview coming up. But um it was uh it was great to talk with Carla and Violet and just get their you know get their perspective uh you know on on Kayflay. And and being able to do some um Googling on her um Kayflay, you know, she she is very very much into fashion and very much into, you know, the hip-hop fashion, I should say, you know, wearing the Nikes. And um, the last time we saw her, she had a Nike, she was sporting a Nike shirt. You know, this time she had, um, you know, some different name brand, um, uh, you know, name brand shirts and shoes. And, I mean, she definitely has certain brands that she she wears, and um, she definitely has a kind of a cutting edge in that. And and I think um, the way, as you heard, the fans they they definitely appreciate that. You know, they appreciate her being bigger than just the music. Mm-hmm. You know, she's a producer, 
She's a she's a MC. She's a triple threat. She's a fashion, yeah. you know, yeah, trendsetter, yeah. right? Yeah. So um, she's got it all, and um, I, I encourage you to Google her because there's more to her than than we can fit in this podcast. Absolutely, I, you know, I couldn't uh, I couldn't have said it better uh, with with that. So yeah, so what we're gonna do now? We 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 got some uh, you know some storytelling to do for you guys and kind of paint this picture. So. Um, you know, we talked to Kay Flay before the, before the show, we, you know, we walked into the venue and one of the things that I do when I go into a venue, uh, or really any place now, I'm kind of addicted to this whole Foursquare thing. Foursquare, if you're new to it, is, is a uh, location-based, uh, app, uh, that's, it's a mobile app. And what you do is, uh, you go to a place and you, you know, you, it shows up on your, uh, mobile phone and, uh, you know, it, um, shows that other people are checked in there. So you, you do a thing where you, you check in and it, you know, a little thing pops up and says, oh, you know, there's four other people here, you know, and it kind of goes into your network. So if you have a bunch of friends that are following you, uh, they can see where you're at, you know, and they, it's a great way to discover uh, other things that are going on right then and there or, you know, kind of uh, bookmark and, you know, make notes of other places that you'd want to go when you're in that area again. So I love doing that because uh, people are always looking for cool places to see concerts. So uh, if they want to follow along, you know, they'll um, hopefully find some cool places that we've been to. So when I got into the venue, I clicked, you know, check-in, and I'm looking at other uh, things. And one, oh, let me explain a little bit more. One of the cool things about Foursquare is you can leave tips about places. So if you're at a restaurant, you can say, oh, you know, get the burgers, they're awesome. Or if you're at a venue like Sub Tees, you can uh, say, hey, you know, I, this is an interesting fact about Sub Tees. Or, hey, the shows are great here, you know, or, hey watch shows from the val- you know from the balcony so and there's a whole list of these types of little tips about sub t so as the show is starting you know i'm looking at this and you know and, and uh one of the other users who had checked in was um uh, actually it was the ticket web which is a really smart move by them because they're you know they know the all the music venues really well in chicago and what they had done is they left a tip that said hey did you know that sub t's used to be a brothel in the twenties. So, and, um, you know, there's, uh, some other, some other history. So that's, that's my kind of my part of the, of the story is that I, I was like, Hey, you know, and I leaned over to Colleen and I showed her on my phone you know, I showed her, I was like, Hey, did you know this place where we're in right now used to be a brothel? And I was like, Hmm, that's kind of interesting. Now we're experiencing live music here. And, uh, you know, there's, there's a whole thing with, with the history of sub so Well, and that always sparks my interest because I love Chicago history. I love history just in general. Um, but I have a lot of family origin in Chicago. So um, so I did a lot of genealogy research and did a lot of research. And, and that led me to learn a lot about Chicago. And now that um, I'm involved with live fix, you know, I'm, I'm wanting to research musical history and buildings and venues and things that, you know, because I do, I believe that, when you go to a show and you see a show, you almost go into history to some extent. You go into that building. You go into what that atmosphere, what is in that building, who played there, um, you know, what played there, what happened there. I and mean, all that stuff, I yeah. believe, is a part of the show. Yeah. Maybe not everyone believes that, but I believe that that, that is a part of the show. Um, and so I get really excited when we go to... Um, different venues that we don't go to just, just the same venues to see shows. Um, so I've been to subterranean a few times. I've got to experience, um, the first level, which is, it's actually a three level 
building. Yeah, it's a cool place to walk into. It's it's uh, got a different. There's different areas to explore. And it's located in Wicker Park, and and the history of Wicker Park is um, it's named Wicker Park because there was two brothers, um, last name Wicker, apparently, yeah. um, who bought about 80 acres of land and started building on that land, and that became Wicker Park. Hmm. Okay. And um, so it is. It, it it's got a lot of history. Um, it started off as a pretty rich area, um, and then kind of grew into more of an urban area, and then it grew into more of a you know mixed population where you know there's all kinds of different stuff going on and, and different um, types of stuff. And um, there was at some point there beca- it became very crime ridden. And so um, you had a lot of crime, you know, things going on, gambling and brothels and just like Chicago everywhere, there's pockets of, of you know, when prohibition was going on. And, it's probably some Al Capone and history. And Al Capone uh, mixed in and all too, that right? stuff. I mean, and so the, the building was, um, a lot of people talk about the building being used as a gambling place and a brothel. Yep. And... Um, one of the really interesting facts that I found um, is that there is, in Chicago, there's a lot of underground tunnels. Um, part of that, and, and there's a lot of places that had, big cities, um, that, that had that due to prohibition. So that people could could run if they needed to from the police. Because police would just randomly walk in and, and try to bust people. So <laughs> there is a underground tunnel underneath subterranean, um, but to my understanding, it is not currently being used. Right. Um, I don't know that it's boarded up, but it's not being used. And it will lead um, to the Coyote Building. So there's a, a, a kind of a, I don't know, it's a triangle-looking kind of building yeah, the, that, uh, across the street yeah. um, that has like a flag on top of it, and that is um, that is called the Coyote Building. Yeah, it kind of looks like a coyote uh, howling to the moon. Like, that's kind of why they, it looks like a you know, howl, like, uh, Kind of standing up, mm-hmm. howling at the moon. So it's kind of a cool thing to to do that. Uh, and so the tunnel goes under that. there, and they say that's due to you know if there was gambling, if there was um, any of that stuff going on, they could they could escape the police that way and, and go out the Coyote Building. So that, I thought that was pretty interesting. Um, not not unique for Chicago, but very unique for now a venue being there. Yeah. yeah. Um, the other piece um, when it comes to um, this venue is that they, it has three floors. And so a lot of, you know, doing some research, a lot of fans said that, you know, they didn't feel, when they got all the way to the top, the music wasn't as loud. Because there's a lot of, you know, there's balconies and it's steep and there's all kinds of stuff. I heard some people saying they didn't like it, but then I heard some people saying that's just the atmosphere, that they love that sound that's kind of muffled and they're kind of yeah, in the corner. Yeah, that's what makes, and... a, it makes the venue unique, I think, uh, from any other venue in Chicago, that it really has that area. You know, and within the, that area, that you have subterranean, within like a two to three mile radius, you have subterranean, double door, and uh, what else? Um, there's... Um, a, I know it, they had Dabonier Club, but that is now recently yeah, re- closed. Yeah, uh, Re- Reckless Records. So that, mm-hmm. that Wicker Park area with with Myopic books. Yeah, there's a lot of really great little places, music books, things like that, right in that area. So there's um, you know there's no shortage of music There's also the rain, Rainbow Room. Um, I think I'm saying the right Rainbow Room. Um, that is also kind of in that area, too. And um, mm-hmm. Liz Fair hang, hung out there. So that the Wicker Park area is yeah. actually, you know, kind of the starting of 
you know, Liz Fair and um, Smashing Pumpkins and yeah, we went you know. on the tour. Mm-hmm. Uh, we should we should uh, tell everybody about the uh, Chicago Rocks tour uh, yes. with Phil Rockroar. Uh, tours that whole area and kind of goes into some of the history with you know Billy Corgan and everything. So definitely uh, want to give uh, Phil. A, what uh, is this company then that he does? He what's the tour company called? Uh, Chicago Rocks Chicago tour. Rocks tour. Yeah, yeah, and that was a great tour, and you get you get to go to um, Billy Corgan's first house, and um, you get to see where Liz Fair wrote her famous. Um, I'm trying to think what her famous. It's it's based on critiquing uh, exile, exile from Guyville. Yes, it's, it's based on critiquing um, the Rolling Stones, and she actually wrote. They say they say that she wrote that in um, while she was walking the streets of Wicker Park. Hmm. So. Anyway, that's the the little brief history of sub sub T that that I found and I thought was fascinating, and I'll continue to to bring more facts to the blog and maybe write a, a piece on it, yeah, a history piece on it. One of the things we want to ask you guys is, I know, um, Colin, you brought this up, uh, you know, and I there was a little piece in that thing that I fought, found on Foursquare. Uh, so if you're from Ticket Web or you're from you know from Sub T's and you know what what the significance of that statue, there's a big wooden statue that's above the behind above the stage area, and uh, in the little quote there uh, in Foursquare on the tip, they said uh, if you really know your area, your venue, the, the, you know that location, then you would know what artist and the story behind that statue. We looked. You know, around and talk to some people and couldn't couldn't get that. So if you know what that is, we'd love to hear. Or if you're the artist yourself, you know, if you're the yeah. artist, that would be great to have you on. And 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 I don't know if that's what it intended. If that we thought it was going to end up there or or not. Um, the other small piece that I think is kind of interesting is next time you go to Subterranean, um, and the address to Subterranean is 2011 West North Avenue. Okay, and what's what's interesting about that is that when you walk in. There is um, a uh, tile floor, and there is the not the num- Latin num- numeric um, just uh, uh, numbers, and really? it's uh, actually twenty eleven. It's actually the address. Those there. Roman numerals on the floor. Yep. Wow. That's so the address. M M X I. So it would be the, huh. the Roman numerals of that. So. Wow. Cool. The address. Awesome. Awesome history, and I think that's. Uh, some great stuff. So that's the history of uh, of sub teas. Thank you, Colleen. Always uh, always count on you for. I'm great, trying to bring the facts. Great history, great history. You you are the, uh, the historian, official historian of Live Fix by by far. Okay, Floyd. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. It's uh, a day after Thanksgiving. It's Black Friday. We were just talking about what Black Friday is, and uh, you know we're excited to have you here uh, on our show. Thank you for you know for joining us. Yeah, no, I, I should have gone shopping today, but I didn't. I feel kind of like American regret right now. Well, uh, it's it's uh, you can you can work through that. You know, maybe you know we're uh, we're, we're just you know, before your show uh, in a couple hours. Uh, well, actually, less than that, right? Maybe an hour and a half or so. Uh, you'll be on stage at uh, Subterranean. Um, glad to have you back to Chicago. You're a native. I grew up uh, in the Chicagoland area, so it's got to be kind of cool to have uh, you know be back in in Chicago uh, for that. So, uh, but we were talking about before we actually had a chance to see you at uh, South by Southwest. 
And uh, great, great show, by the way. Uh, you know, we saw lots and lots of bands uh, out there. And uh, your performance definitely stood out to us. So we've been uh, you know, excited to connect with you. And we'd like to know, you know, it's been you know, several months since that show. And we were wondering how, you know, or what ways, you know, you've evolved your show, like what you've learned since that, that show. So playing South by Southwest is really crazy. And, you, you know, you probably learn a lot. What have you learned the most, you know, and what have you incorporated into your show since that? And, you know, how is that going to change what you're going to do tonight during, during your performance? Yeah, well, I think, you know, the, I never, like, growing up or anything was, like, a performer. You know, so I think I'm sort of missing some sort of genetic code on, like, how to make a show really awesome. Uh, I'm not, like, into huge light displays or anything. But the biggest change that's happened, you know, and I think it's, it's happened really naturally, um, is I've added a live drummer to the show. So there's two of us on stage now, and he's, he's a good friend of mine and a really, really talented guy and just, like, huge fan of hip-hop. He's got a really good energy on stage, too, and we kind of... You know, it's helpful. I think I've definitely had some experiences where I'm up on stage like, oh, my God, like, I'm by myself. You know, uh, this is bad. Uh, so it's, it's nice to have someone else up there just to feed off of energy-wise. You know, even if, if a show, let's say, isn't going that well, we can look at each other and, and kind of smile. But, you know, from an audience perspective, too, I think I've tried to be a little bit more cognizant about what it's like for someone to watch the show. And, and how, how can I make how can I make the show interesting for people and, and new for people and more dynamic but still remaining true to the root of the project, which is very raw and very intimate and not overproduced. You know, like, I'm wearing what I have been wearing all day on an airplane and won't change, you know. So I'm kind of like, it's, it's a very organic, I think, vibe that I've got going on, but just creating something that helps you know, create kind of peaks and valleys. You know, with electronic music, sometimes it's hard to have the same type of dynamics as you might with, with a live band. Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, you know, in listening to your music, uh, you definitely mix, you know, you mix humor, uh, very clever, you know, in the wordplay, and also very personal. You know, you, you tell stories that are very, uh, you know, intimate, and, you know, you have a way of, uh, you know, kind of laughing at yourself, you know, and learning something in that process. And I'm wondering how... How do you go about performing, you know, music that is very personal on a stage that is very, you know, it's very public in front of people maybe you never even met before or maybe even tonight there might be some people, you know, that you've, you've known since. Uh, <laughs> All my dirty secrets. Um, since high school. So what's, uh, what's that like for you? Uh, I've always been a bit of an open book. You know, I don't, I, there, believe me, there are things you don't know about me. Um, that I that I choose not to, to you know write about, but um, I think and whenever you're like any doing any type of art form, you're exposing yourself, especially in the modern age, to a lot of scrutiny and openness. It's just it's just a byproduct of what's happening. And I think over the years, I've come to really embrace that as part of what I like about music. You know, is, is that confessional aspect and. Listening to a recorded song is one thing and is amazing in its own sense, but listening and being a part of a live experience is, you know, that much more intimate and personal. And, you know, my favorite shows are shows like tonight where, you know, we're at a club that's not huge, you know, I'm up in, I can sweat on people, like people can get up there near the stage, there's no barricade. And I know as a fan of music, those are the shows I love going to. And, 
you know, trying to create that experience for people to feel like, you know, uh, they're, they're investing in something that's real, you know, that I'm being kind of authentic and true to, to what I'm doing. And over time, I feel I've gotten closer to that um, in terms of my music. And I've got a new EP coming out, which is just kind of the next step in that progression. Yeah, great, uh, great segue. We were going to ask you, you know, about, uh, you know, how the live performances that you've done since your, your last uh, last release and, you know, some of the mixtapes and remixes that you've uh, put out. How have your live shows, you know, uh, influenced the recording and the music that uh, is going to be on the next album? Uh, it's called uh, Eyes Eyes Shut, yes. So how's, how, how are all those experiences uh, melding in and blending with, uh, with the album? Well, I think... I think probably two in two ways there there have been things happening. In the first way, I've I've started to I think be more open on stage and let loose a little bit more, which has influenced the music in the sense that I think it's becoming a little bit more like big or something like slightly bombastic and that that has a terrible pejorative connotation, but just a little bit more just. Not as small sounding, you know. I think a lot of the stuff that I had recorded in the past, just by virtue of where I recorded it and how I did it, you know, kind of sounded like that's how it was created a little bit. Um, so I think that that's been one thing too. But I think, you know, on the flip side, performing, you know, you have to be able to, if not accurately, with at least a good deal of sort of integrity, replicate a song live and make make sure that it translates from a recorded setting to, to a live one. So I, I think I've been very cognizant of that during, you know, the, the process of recording the EP. You know, how's this going to come off live? Is it going to be cool? Can I, you know, I run Ableton live uh, for my, my setup on stage. And so the way that that program works, you know, there's certain kinds of clips and ways that you launch music and samplers. So I, I'm always kind of having that in the back of my mind when I'm, when I'm writing and in the studio. What are some of the things that you've struggled with in, you know, making the jump to, you know, recording live, having that live energy, and then trying to, you know, translate that to, to an album? You know, what are some things that you love about that process and some of the things that just, you know, maybe scare you, terrify you, or just, just, just challenge you? Uh, you know, I think with recorded music, there's definitely the ability to create a thicker sound at times, vocally at least, because you can, you can layer things, you know? So you, there's some really interesting possibilities with that. Um, you know, I think what gets lost, you know, and it's a delicate balance between being precise and having a little bit of abandon, you know, in, in a vocal performance uh, for me, recording, because live I'm kind of going up and down and being a little crazy, and, and in a recorded atmosphere I tend to be more controlled in the delivery. So I think it's about finding that balance. You know, it feels still a little bit off the cuff, but also, you know, controlled. Yeah, that's uh, it's interesting because you know, we've done. Uh, I know you had uh, some, some. Yeah, you I have. I have a question to ask. Oh, yeah. um, we we just recently did a podcast about how women and men experience live music differently, and so yeah, very interesting. You have to check it out. So, how do you think um, being a female singer songwriter, DJ, DJ MC, rapper, um, how do you feel that has that? Um, has does it is it different when you're a woman doing that stuff and that kind of music or do women in the audience um, respect you more don't respect you as much I think probably 
and I can't speak for for all female artists um, because yeah, I can't. But I can speak for myself in that you know I think a lot with with a lot of female performers, especially kind of in a more electronic hip hop realm. Um, there's a lot of image, kind of, uh, in terms of just like physically, you know, how people are dressed and, and what's going on. And it's, it's a lot more put together than, let's say, like how I will appear on stage. And I, and I found that that's garnered a really good reaction from, from female fans, especially, or people in the audience, just like, hey, it's like a girl who looks like me just going up there and just kind of doing her thing, you know, not really giving a fuck. And. I think that's that's a nice counterpoint to some of the other you know shows that you might go to, which are a little bit more produced. And there's certainly nothing wrong with that. I love going to shows like that too. But I think it's you know it's it's something that people, especially women, have appreciated and have said that to me uh, that you know it's cool to see someone just a little more, more uh, I don't know looking like just rolled out of bed or something. Um, you know, I think other than that, I don't know. I haven't really thought about it, how, like, female fans versus male fans, but, uh, you know, obviously if you're a girl and, you know, male fans will look at you in one way and female will look at you in a different way. I mean, uh, in the sense of, like, you're not really going to be, like, uh, an objectified, potentially, in the same way. Not that I I don't really feel objectified. But, yeah, I'm kind of rambling. I don't know what I'm saying. Is that, is yeah, that? no, have you, yeah, yeah, no, no, it's a, uh, it's an interesting question, whenever we ask that, you know, we, it's, you know, it's kind of an open type of question, uh, what are some of the interactions been like, you know, during the tour, you know, after a show, you know, you know, uh, with, with the fans, you know, male or female or, you know, different, you know, different ages, things like that, you know, we obviously saw something, you know, uh, in your music, uh, when we saw you at South by Southwest, I'm wondering, what are some of the other interactions been like, you know, for you after the show, you know, um, you know, with whether it be female fans or male fans or, you know, things like that? And, you know, how is, what have those situations been like that uh, for you? Um, you know, I th- uh, for the most part, you know, it's, it's been really positive. It's, it, it's pretty similar, actually, to be honest, between men and women. I think um, by virtue of doing a lot of, the, you know, the production live on stage, I think that's something new for a lot of people they haven't necessarily seen a girl do or a ton of female acts do so people you know like usually give me some positive feedback about that and you know at the end of the day I think there's something really important about like a punk ethos which is have fun on stage have energy on stage and like yeah maybe maybe you screw it up a little bit but like your energy was was undeniable and so that's been more of my focus and so I, I get, I've found that people are, you know, responding well to that, and I've just been like, yeah, you know, I was just, you know, you were jumping around, you look like you, I think, I think when a performer looks like they're having fun, it makes it easier for the audience to have fun too, you know, to part, to be, participate in that, that kind of just jovial, like, good-natured atmosphere, so, but, you know, it's, it's, it's been great, people have been really supportive, and I think people are kind of, um, you know, have been responding well to the new music and the new, the new stuff. Yeah, I mean we've uh, you know we've definitely enjoyed the uh, you know the music and you know especially the uh, the new uh, the Beastie Boys uh, you know remix and uh, you know we've been listening to it and uh, your, your music definitely has uh, you know layers to it, meaning that you kind of you have the storytelling, you have the beats, you know you have the melody, 
you know, and uh, you, you put it together really well, you know, in, in a way that's that you know that's fresh and exciting, and uh, you know it's interesting to have you know have you come back here, you know, to Chicago, and we're wondering, you know, what were some of your favorite concert experiences you know, growing up here, you know, in Chicago, and how have you know some of those been, uh, you know, just kind of you know rolling around in your mind you know about about that and you know have they come out in other shows so what what were some of your favorite shows when you when you were growing up here in, in chicago um maybe a, kind of a lame answer some of my favorite shows were at ravinia actually weirdly enough it's kind of a strange venue but there's something oddly like futuristically peaceful about it it's like all these all these people like harmoniously coexisting and listening to music um so uh, t- that was really, I think, in terms of atmosphere and just, like, a good energy. Those are some of the most fun. But in in reality, I mean, I went to shows in high school, but I kind of went to shows because someone was like, yeah, we're going. You should come. I don't think I, don't think I really found, you know, my, my true taste in music till I, I got out to the Bay Area um, and I started getting into hip-hop and, and into electronic music. What were some of your shows uh, out there that uh, really, you know, started to send you down that direction? I know you were, you know, into, uh, you know, E40 and, uh, you know, those types of shows. What, what, what's, what were some of the shows that really kind of set you off and, you know, lit, lit the fire for you or, you know, sparked your, your creativity in that? Yeah, so um, one of the first groups that I really got into out in the Bay was a group called Zion I, who I've, I've worked with since, but I was a fan first. I mean, I just was there. They've got a really strong presence out there, and they do a lot of, Really interesting things, and Amp, the producer from the group, does a lot of electronic stuff as well. So that was one of the first shows that I saw out there, period. And I was pretty blown away by that and just the, the I don't know, raw energy of it all. But I remember I saw I saw Spank Rock, like, really early on in San Francisco before they were kind of doing anything or really making a mark. They were, yeah, I forget where I saw them. I saw them, and that was a great show. I think that was that's a good example of a very small, raw atmosphere that has a lot of energy and still you know, really makes an impact on the crowd. Um, and I remember- Are there certain things about those types of shows that that you incorporate, uh, you know, maybe consciously or some, you know, deliberately into what you do, you know, and kind of celebrate that, or how do, how do those shows, you know, make you want to you know, reduplicate that, or you know, things that uh, you know that inspire you? You know, I think uh, I'm hoping that people leave a show feeling energized and feeling inspired in some way, whether it's, you know, in they're an attorney and they're, like, thinking about a lawsuit or something, or, you know, they're a writer. I think the best shows and the best movies and the best books, the best, you know, pieces of art in general are ones that aren't, that, that make you feel like you want to do something fun and cool, too. And I know that's how I like to feel after after a concert is like like just totally invigorated and full of life. And I think there is something very, you know, um, vital about being at a show, at like a, a rock and roll show or a hip hop, whatever it is, show. Awesome. Oh, thank you. You put on a great show. I saw, like I said, at South by Southwest. Um, is there anything that you've ever done on stage? And this is coming from someone who sometimes says the wrong thing. Um, is there anything on stage you've ever done or said? I mean, your lyrics can be very intense and raw, and that's that's what's, that's why I love listening to the music, actually. But is there something that you've like regretted or 
um, some, maybe someone reacted to it differently than you than you expected, like your parents or friends that came to a show? You know, no, that has never happened to me. The only thing that happens is I have this horrible habit of asking like open-ended questions. So they're like, where's the best place to eat? And everyone's like, <laughs> or like no one answers. My, uh, my manager's always giving me crap about that. But um, yeah, I've never really said anything I regretted now that you ask. I mean, I've said some dumb things that, like, were meant to be jokes, but no one laughs at. Like, like what? Oh, God. I mean, wait. I'll probably do it tonight. Yeah. Uh, I definitely told some jokes that bombed. But uh, that doesn't phase me. I'm, I'm completely undeterred by things like that. So, yeah. Is there anything that you ever seen on stage that shocked you at all? Um, I know we had, we recently saw some hip-hop. We saw Wu-Tang Clan, and we talked about that. And I had, like, vodka bottles thrown at me while I was trying to shoot them and, you know, shoot them, photograph them, I should say. Um, so anything like that that you experienced that was... Yes. Shoot with a camera. Um, I think the craziest stuff I've seen actually is um, a Bay Area group called Hot Tub. It's like, three girls who do, like, electronic rap. And they're the really sweet, really sweet people in real life. And uh, they're crazy on, on stage. And the first show I ever saw them, they stripped a guy naked... Uh, like butt ass naked on stage he was like he totally did not see it coming either like I could tell he was shocked as it was happening um yeah so I saw a naked man the first time I saw them which which was interesting yeah they, they have some fun antics I've never nothing that crazy's ever ever happened but I tend not to go to that much of aggro shows you know like the more chill vibes I don't think we've ever had the word aggro on our podcast before. That was really awesome, by the way. I just want to point that out. I think that's that's a great great word to to describe that. What you, you know, the uh, hot tub you said was that? Yeah. Where are they from? From Oakland. Okay. Cool. Oakland. That 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 Bay Area. It's got a lot of uh, a lot of talent out there that uh, kind of bubbles up and uh, everything. So. What's it's the new hate Ashbury. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, uh, you got to get ready for your uh, for your show. So, uh, Kay Flay, thank you very much for uh, for joining us, and uh, we'll, we'll have to have you back. You know, uh, again, welcome back to uh, to Chicago, and uh, have a ha- have a great show. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me, and uh, yeah, I'll see you guys again soon. Hello, welcome back. Uh, great interview with Kay Flay. Great interview. I, I was enlightened. I mean, I always love talking to an artist before the show. You can't replace it. We, we have to work. We have to figure out a way that the fans can sit in on these kind of things before the show. I would love to have Carla and Violet just sitting in there listening to it. They could look at her shoes, you know, and and just enjoy the fashion. You know, awesome. Well, awesome if they stuff. want to see anything else from K Play, they definitely need to check out. Her YouTube oh. channel. Oh, by far. By it's far. awesome. I mean, we were just, uh, you know, if you're wondering how we record this show, we, we do it in segments. You know, we, we, we record it. I goof up like three times. We take like four takes before I can find More like five times. Five times, yeah. So so in between it, we do a lot of planning. We do a lot of talking. We argue. You know, we love arguing because it makes the show more interesting. And uh, sometimes we, you know, we look at things to kind of uh, get us in the mood. And I have to say by far... Uh, Kay Flay's uh, YouTube channel. I, I I will admit I will be com- completely honest. I did not watch her YouTube channel before we did the interview 
and hopefully we can talk to her again and we can ask her about that because that her her YouTube channel is is that was bro- cool. It's brilliant. It, Maybe it's we can fun. do a hangout with K Flay. Yeah. On Google Plus. Yeah. She she's she, you got to check out her book reviews and her uh, tour diaries that she's doing. She's doing a slam dunk on a uh, a random uh, basketball hoop that they uh, found on tour. But uh, she's definitely got uh, some. You know, she she's a. She also has some really cool mad acoustic skills on the guitar. Yes. Which I did not, I did not understand that until, uh, until I just recently looked at her YouTube channel. So she does a great song. There are a couple of good songs that she came up with that um, she sings instead of raps that I think are, are awesome. So ch- check her stuff out. Yeah. She's yeah. an artist worth looking at and keep you know keeping up on because um, she's definitely making an impact. Yeah, she's got uh, she's got the you know the singer songwriter. She's got the rap thing. She's got the live show, and she's also she's got some uh, she's some great uh, book reviewing talents. And if you don't know what the heck I'm talking about, go on her YouTube channel and and check out the book review for Waves. Uh, really really funny stuff. Uh, definitely an ADD uh, delight to to watch that. So you know if you're into ADD type of uh, stuff, that's really funny and witty. K Flay's the one to check out. So we're uh, we're just about done. Uh, it's been great hanging out with everybody. Thank you to Subtease. Thank you to uh, Carla and Violet. Hopefully, you guys are listening to this and you will uh, join us on a future podcast. We'd love to have you on, have you on talking about uh, fashion and hip hop and live performances and all that jazz. So get, definitely got to have you on there. Um, we're going to uh, we're going to close this up. Uh, we found a, a track from K Flay uh, from 2010, I believe, and she's showing off her skills uh, in a live acoustic set. Acoustic set. Uh, again, I wish more artists did something like this. Uh, we were talking about this earlier about uh, incorporating the fans and touring into an actual recorded um, you know, recorded song. Uh, as far as I can know, as far as I can tell, there isn't any recording. Uh, you know, she hasn't put this track on on an album or anything like that. But uh, the name of the track uh, that you're going to hear on the outro here is called "Bye Bye Illinois," and uh, just listen in because she what she's doing, she's sitting in a kind of a coffee shop kind of place. It looks like right. Come, yeah, it's like a that, coffee. It looks that, like a coffee venue yeah, place in um, in California. California, okay. Mm-hmm. So, but she's you know like we said in the beginning, she's from Chicago and all kind of stuff. So she has a song called "Bye Bye Illinois," and she has the fans as you'll hear interacting with her. So, uh, great stuff again. Thanks to everybody for listening. Go to livefixblog.com. Check out the show notes. Follow us on Twitter and let us know what you guys think of the show at uh, Live Fix Media. And uh, hit us up on Facebook too. Uh, we want to hear, you know, what you guys are thinking about uh, at uh, Facebook.com/livefix. We uh, will catch you guys later. Uh, next show coming up is uh, going to be one you're not going to want to miss. Uh, we're not going to tell you what it's about because, you know, that would be pointless uh, to do that. So um, that's about it. I'm going to go get some red uh, Nike shoes. Colin, what, what are you? Are you going to come with me? I'm going to get a, a Nike uh, Nike shirt Nike in the shirt? 80s. All right, cool. All right, we gotta go. Uh, go get those guys. So we'll uh, we'll check you later. Went to Stanford, and um, now yeah, now I'm here, and uh, I wanted I wanted to write a song that sort of uh, I don't know honored my old state, but also the new one because this is, this is a great place to live. California is a great place, and um, so the only thing I ask of you guys is if you hear a city. So I'm gonna call out a lot of cities in the song. 
If you've been to one of these cities, or you want to go, or you got arrested, or you made a very bad decision, or a really good decision, you proposed to your wife or something, uh, make some noise, okay? That's all I ask, all right? Can you guys do that? Yeah. Thank you guys very much. You've been wonderful.